Welcome to Kingdom Living, a broadcast ministry of author and speaker Sean T. Young, Senior Pastor of Second Liberty Baptist Church in Quentin, Virginia. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Young. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way and to him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. I read Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 16, the word of God for God's people. For a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach on the subject, what you believe matters. What we believe is basic to the renewal of the church. If we are to be equipped for ministry today, we must not only know what we stand for and what we stand against, but also what we stand on. What we believe will ultimately determine what we do. The Bible speaks of a general faith, something that everybody has, even Satan has faith. But it also speaks of a saving faith in Ephesians 2 and 8. It says, for by grace you are saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But it also speaks of the faith. That is the truth that has been revealed through Jesus Christ and God's word which we as believers have accepted. And these are not just intellectually grasped, they are personally and spiritually received. Jude 3 says that we are to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Therefore, what we believe matters. And there are four questions about what you believe that must be answered. The first question is, is your faith really your faith? I'll ask that one more time. Is your faith really your faith? Or is it your parents' faith? Is it yours or is it your friends? Is it your faith or just a doctrine of the church? Has the faith really become yours or is it like a sign in a bookstore window that reads secondhand theology for sale? And I want to submit to us on today that we don't need a second-hand theology. We need a first-hand addition. This faith must become ours by personal experience. And it's not enough to say that I know the truth. We must rather say that the truth is mine. We are growing in Christ. The truths of God's word become real and illuminated in our minds by the Holy Spirit. As parents, hopefully we're raising our children right and that the things that we're teaching them about the faith will last. Yes. 
Last night, my wife and I, we had a conversation with our son. He's attending George Mason. And praise be to God, he'll be done in December. Got one child to college. We got two more to go. But we were having a conversation with him, and he began to talk about some of the struggles that he's had with his faith. Many of us have probably been there as young adults. We may have not always gone to church the way we should have when mother and father and your grandparents and aunts and uncles may have taken you growing up. But he began to talk about how his faith has been encouraged over the past few days, over the past few weeks, and he's had a peace about his life. Amen. And in the conversation, I thought it was interesting because he said in so many words that his faith has become his own. It's not just the faith that we wanted him to have, but it's a faith that he has been able to take hold and grasp of, and it has become his own faith. One such occurrence that many people may have, especially those who are ministers and pastors and may have gone to seminary is taking the knowledge and the information that you receive and having awareness of the knowledge, but making it your own faith. Yeah. Is your faith really your faith? Second question that we should take a look at is, is your faith working? Is what you believe really working in your life? In other words, do you have fruit on the truth? Are we talking a good game? Is your faith really working? Is your faith accomplishing anything in your life? Does it have power in your life? A real faith will meet your personal needs. Faith determines how we live, where we stand, and what we do. It provides a foundation that can withstand the storms of life. If we were to look at Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, it reads, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We must ask ourselves, what have we built our house on? What have we built our faith foundation on? Is it built upon the rock of our salvation, or is it built upon sand? So a real faith will meet our personal needs, but a real faith will also give you something to shape. As believers, it's our duty and responsibility to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So not only do we have a faith that is able to meet our personal needs, but we should be willing and going out to share with other people about our faith. When we truly believe, we witness to him who we believe in. Second Timothy 1 and 12 says, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We're supposed to have a testimony 
about the faith that you say we have. Psalm 71, 15 and 16 says, I will declare your righteousness and your salvation every day. Though I do not fully understand what the outcome will be, Lord God, I will come in the power of your mighty acts, remembering your righteousness, yours alone. Psalm 22, 22 says, I will praise you to all my brothers. I will stand up before the congregation and testify of the wonderful things that you have done. Psalm 66, 16 says, come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. John 15, 26 and 27, if that wasn't enough scripture for you, it, it says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. We have a testimony that we're supposed to provide to this world. People all across this land who need help. People are lost to God. People are lost to their family. People are lost to the church and even to themselves. And do we have a word that we're able to give to them? Do we know how to tell someone to be saved? Do we have in our mind our own testimony of our salvation? Do we know the scripture verses for sharing this truth and what we believe matters? First question is, is your faith really your faith? Second question is, is your faith working? Third question I want us to take a look at, is your faith basic? Is your faith basic? The distinction between an opinion and a conviction is that an opinion is something you hold while a conviction is something that holds you. Everybody has an opinion. Especially in this day and time, everybody feels that they want their voice to be heard. And there's nothing wrong with that. But are we speaking opinion or are we speaking our convictions? Again, opinion is something that you hold while conviction is something that holds you. In other words, you need to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is real. You need to know that you know that you know that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you don't know where you would be. As believers, it's so important that we read God's word, that we study God's word, that we allow the word to show us how we're supposed to live our lives. The word should be there to convict us. The word is a standard for our living. Matthew 6 and 33 says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom, God's authority. Seek first God's standards of living, God's righteousness, God's expectations for us to live as his people. How many convictions do we have? A basic faith is composed of our convictions. A basic faith consists of beliefs that really matter. What you believe about Jesus Christ and how he relates to salvation, victory, and destiny matters. What you believe about the Bible matters. Do you truly believe 
that it is God's word. What you believe about the Holy Spirit matters. What you believe about salvation and the church and all the basic doctrines of the Bible, it all matters. Yeah. A basic faith is personal. Again, I ask the question, what do you believe? What do you believe about God, the Trinity, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about witnessing, stewardship, and the many basic truths that the scriptures provide for us? And in this week, I encourage all of us to write out our own personal theology and to be strengthened in what we believe. Amen. Amen. Basic faith is one worth dying for. Would you die for what you believe? Remember back, maybe the late 90s or early 2000s, I think it was in the 90s, out in Colorado, the Columbine shooting in that high school. Yeah. And one of the things that they did was they asked the victims if they believed in God. And if they said they believed in God, they shot him in the head. And how many of us if we're asked if we believe in God, if we're asked if we have given our lives over to Christ, would we be willing to say that we do believe Amen. at the expense Amen. of death? Amen. Amen. Even though we live in a country where we can have a freedom of religion, there may come a point in time where we may have to be willing to die for what we believe in. Philippians 1, starting at verse 21, Paul has this to say as he penned it from a jail cell. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul was trying to help us to understand that he was willing to die for what he believed in. Basic faith is one worth dying for. Many others outside of Paul were willing to die for their faith. We can look at Stephen as well as he was stoned. And we can look at so many other Christian martyrs who were willing to die for what they believed in. What do you believe that you would be willing to die for at any cost? The final question on today is, is your faith Christ-centered? Is your faith Christ-centered? The foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. The disciples stood firm on Jesus' testimony of who he was. They had the Old Testament, but their walk of faith began with an encounter with Jesus Christ. They met him and they followed him and he changed their lives forever, forever. 
And that's the same thing that happened with us. We may have been raised in a household. We may not have been raised in a household that believed in God. But when we had that encounter with Jesus Christ, it changed our lives forever. Again, we can go back to Paul and we can look in Acts and we can see that Paul said he was doing all that he did for God. But when he met Jesus on that road, as he was going to get permission to persecute the church, continuing persecuting the church, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and it changed his life forever. At that moment in time, his life was not Christ-centered. It was God-centered, but it was not Christ-centered. And we as believers, we are standing on the promises of God through Jesus Christ. And so when we embrace Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, our faith should be Christ-centered. So we looked at the question, is your faith really your faith? Or are you standing on your parents' faith? Or your grandparents' faith? You got to make this faith really yours. And if you make this faith really yours, there should be some fruit. It should be some evidence that the faith is working in your life. Now, we all have places where we can grow and develop and mature. But each and every day, we should be being, being intentional about our faith being nurtured, being developed, about us allowing ourselves to be submitted to the Holy Spirit in each and every aspect of our life. And it should show people that our faith is working. But not only is our faith working, but is, is our faith basic, the convictions that we have about our faith. Believing that Jesus Christ was willing to die for us. Believing that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he was willing to die in our place so that we could be reconciled unto God and that he was resurrected with all power in heaven and earth and that he ascended to be sitting at the right hand of the Father and that he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle is your faith based. Yeah. And again, the last and final question is your faith Christ What are you basing your faith on? Because what we believe matters. And we have to be willing but not only willing, but also able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others who are looking for their answer. How selfish would it be of us to keep our faith to ourselves? How selfish of us would it be not to be willing to share that God wants to be in a right relationship with all human beings? How selfish of us would it be that we would not be willing to, to help people to understand that God loves you unconditionally. No matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, God still loves you. And that you can have this gift of salvation by way of faith. So what you believe matters. And that's what Jesus Christ 
came to show us is that our faith matters. Imagine Jesus Christ coming in and not sharing what the Father sent him to share. Imagine Jesus Christ coming in and only holding on to faith for a certain amount of individuals or a certain type of people. Imagine Jesus Christ not carrying out the ministry that he was ordained to carry out. Imagine Jesus Christ being selfish and not even being willing to come to this earth so that we could see a representation of what God really looks like it, what love really looks like. Imagine Jesus just staying in heaven. Not being willing to help us to be right with God. Where would we be? What would go on in our life? But because of what he was willing to do for us, because he was willing to lay his life down. Because he was willing to be submitted unto God, even to the point of death on a cross, and being resurrected with all power in heaven and earth, we too can have a right relationship with God. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What you believe matters. And don't let anyone tell you different. That what you believe matters. There's going to be many people and many things in this world that may try to come up against your faith. But I encourage you on today to be strong. To fight the good fight of faith to be the people of God that God has called us all to be. Because we've come this far by faith. Trusting in his holy word. And he's never failed us yet. Isn't it good to know God? Isn't it good to know that being a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ? A God who loves us unconditionally. A God who wants what is best for us. For us to be equipped. So that we can grow in maturity and stature measured by Christ's fullness. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And life more abundant. Talked about this on, on Wednesday. About abundance. That means overflow. That means you have more than what you need. And isn't that amazing that we have a Savior who wants us to have more than what we need? Yes. He's willing to give us more than what we need. And our mother believed that it's not for us to hold on to ourselves but it's to be used as a tool to bless somebody else. And I'm not talking about the material thing, but I'm talking about the joy that we can have in our life, an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace. He said, I'll, I'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And when we have joy and peace in our life, we're able to share that joy and peace with other people because, again, there are people who are looking for joy. There are people looking 
for peace in their life. And we have the answer. He says, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He says, delight yourself in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. John 15. When you get home today, read John 15, verse 7. Write it down. Those at home, you got an advantage over us who are here. Write it down. You can read it soon. John 15, verse 7. Think about that. Meditate on that this week. John 15, verse 7. And what that really means in the life of a believer. What that really means if we accept that truth in our life. Because again, God wants us to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And all that God stands for. That's our duty and responsibility. And the way we're able to do that is realizing that what we believe matters. We trust that today's message has been inspiring and uplifting. Be sure to tune in next time for more of Kingdom Living. May God richly bless you.